Good evening. Welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 242, Children Don't Hide, Seek. I am glad to be back home. I thank you all for your prayers. It's been a few days of work for the ministry and it's been absolutely marvelous. Thank you all for your prayers and support for Mother's Day as we were able to share the word of God at Resurrection Baptist Church. And thank you so much, Pastor Watts, for allowing me to speak a mother's gain through pain and loss, as well as the blog, A Prescription for the Heart. And that was a blessing. And I tell you those two because Prescription for the, for, for the Heart was basically for everyone. And it was talking about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and how that is something that we are seeking after for all the things that we're trying to have in our heart. A mother's gain through pain and loss yesterday, the points were it's, it's painful to be a mother. And God speaks to that in Genesis three, as well as to understand that don't go home without Jesus. And also don't do anything to try to slow the progress of Jesus's ministry because it just won't work. And lastly, when you're going through any kind of pain and suffering, you need to be at the feet of Jesus. You need to be near Christ because Christ is our ultimate gain, his salvation, his love, his peace, his compassion, all those things that Christ is wanting us to understand from that Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it fills you. Well, tonight, as we talk about children, don't hide, seek. It's a playoff when I was a kid. We're talking about Mother's Day and, and the thing that many of us will remember is us being children. And we had in the country, I lived in, we didn't have a lot of activities to do. There was a basketball court with a actual thing on a tree and we played there, but we also played these games that involved just us. And one of them was hide and seek. And when you were the person who had to close your eyes and everybody kind of ran away to hide, you got to use your senses. You listened to what was going on because we were out in the country. If you heard people running, you could hear the tennis shoes hitting the gravel and you can kind of sense where somebody was running toward a direction. You would hear the crumpling of dry leaves as they were hiding behind the trees. You could just hear things because you knew the environment, you knew your playmates and you kind of knew where everybody was going to kind of run in the time frame that ha- that they had. Well, tonight, we're going to go only to a couple of scriptures tonight. And the first is going to be out of Genesis three. So you can go and get there. And out of Genesis three, where it's going to be the story of Satan, the devil, after actually using his craftiness to beguile and trick Eve and ultimately Adam for them to take the fruit that God said was not to be taken. But so you can get a moment to go find that. But I'm going to tell you a few things as a kid. This is for some perspective of some fun. When we were growing up, it was always understood that some people even wrote a book. I think it was a person who wrote a book that says everything that you needed to know, you learned in first grade. And many of the things that we learned in first grade was to respect one another, to be kind, all those kind of things. Well, I thought about some of the things that we've learned as a child, as a Christian child, the word seek is used often. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these rights and all these things shall be added unto you. That was one of the first seeks I ever heard. It says, seek those things that are above. You know, there are things that God is always trying to tell us when it comes to seeking and even to seek him. 
that we're always to seek God, that no matter what is going on in our lives, to keep seeking him. And when we were little kids, as at least I remember in Sunday school lessons, we had the scriptures about you can't serve God and mammon. You choose God, okay? If you have a choice between life and death, there was a scripture that says choose life. And you can go back and find all those scriptures. But basically, they were back in our Sunday school lessons, the young Sunday school lessons we used to get. And it even taught us as children, be careful the friends you surround yourself because, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. So little things that we were taught, maybe not in first grade, but in your first youngster adolescent times there were always nuggets of truth of God's word that you had the opportunity for your parents to talk to you about and also that it says with God all things are possible so why I tell you that is because when we start to see hiding behaviors in your elementary in your Sunday school lessons they weren't telling you to hide they weren't telling you things that instinctively we started to do like a child that's growing up, mine, you know, something selfish in us says, all those toys are mine. Everything in this world is about me, mine, mine, mine. Also, it came down to lying. You didn't really have to teach a child to lie, but if it was a choice between getting in trouble or kind of looking like it was somebody else, you tended to lie. Not a good trait, but those are things that happen in our DNA that was a part of that sin nature. Well, this hiding has been something that's also a part of our sin nature. And I'm going to give you a couple of personal examples that really just happened of the last few hours in the last couple of days. Youngest daughter that I have, Faith, she's one of the people that's very natural. She's like Alicia Keys, beautiful, don't need the makeup. And she's like, mom, why do you need to wear makeup? Just go and just wear your face like it is. You don't need makeup. The other daughter is just the opposite. You have to get her permission to put pictures up because she doesn't like her profile certain ways. And so very different, two very different women. Well, I listened to the youngest this weekend and I decided to go out with just moisturizer on my face on Saturday. Got to the place where we were going to celebrate and my one of my older sisters was sitting beside me. She immediately, she's a makeup queen. She gets out of her purse because she sees I don't have any makeup and I look oily, as she says. I wasn't being oily. I was being moisturized. <laughs> and all of a sudden she starts putting makeup on my face and any blemishes that she sees, especially in my lower level, my face where, you know, the things after life, they start to change. And so she starts patting me down and she's rough. And I said, Clara, you're rough. And she's going to laugh when she hears that. But I, I had decided that day I was going to take advantage of not having any makeup on and just having a good time with my family. And I'm sitting there and I'm getting makeup applied to hide any kind of blemishes on my face. Second example happened yesterday. You all know, if you don't know, I'm a woman with mountains on my chest. And so I've lived this way of being self-conscious of my top half. And my auntie, thank you, Auntie Anne, had bought myself a Mother's Day dress. And I decided I was going to wear it yesterday, but it revealed some things. And so I decided to be conservative and I found this beautifully matching cover, put it in the appropriate places so nothing would, would be exposed. I see the results of the teaching yesterday and the camera looks straight through that cover. Mary, you would have loved this straight through the cover and everything I was trying to hide was just well out there for everybody to see. And I was like, oh my God, Lord, what is going on? And I said, Anita, just focus on the teaching 
Focus on what is important. Don't worry about what is not hidden. But that is so funny about all of us that we have this nature of wanting to hide behind makeup, hide behind clothes, hide behind accessories, hide behind our houses and our cars and our income and our friendships and our notoriety, all these things we want to hide. Where did that come from? It came from our sin nature. So that's why I thought tonight, it won't be a very long teaching, but I wanted to go into this hiding and some things that I want us to appreciate and understand about how Satan, who's the devil, uses the very sin nature of this desire to hide from God against us. He lies to us to think that there is something in God and his omniscience, in his love, in his being God almighty, that we need to be afraid of, that we need to fear, that we need to run away. And the very thing that God wants us to do as Christian believers is to say, when you need him for anything and everything, the word of God is for every situation of your life. God himself is for every situation of your life. But the enemy wants to prove very the very opposite thing, to, to make you think that God is going to punish you, that God is going to be so frustrated with you, angry with you. He's going to be ashamed of you and you need to run away and hide. And the nature of what we have in our sin nature came from the fact that as, as Adam and Eve leaped into sin, head first, mouth first, and disobeyed God, he asked that question, where are you? And when that answer of, I was afraid. We always see the because this, this, and this, but the change of the relationship that they had, the intimacy, the trust, the love, the adornment of one another's companionship, that was broken. And Satan desires for us to continue to have this broken relationship when it comes to God and us. And because we are always having the opportunity to mess up and to sin, Satan knows that's all we have to do is feel, feel that God is against us. God is someone to run away from. And so tonight when I say children, I say all of us as his creations, as his children, especially those who say we love the Lord Jesus Christ. God is telling us that there's no condemnation. He doesn't want any condemnation in Christ because he sent Christ so that we would know how much he loves us. But I got to tell you that after you hear it so many times, it becomes just a distant comment. You know, you just throw it up there. God loves you. He really loves you. And he wants you to stop running away from him and running to him. So look at this story. As we go to look at the story that you have probably as a Christian heard a lot of times, I want you to think of something before I start. The craftiness, the fact that Satan is very cunning. He's smart. He's deceptive. He's been doing this for centuries. He knows when to attack you. He knows when to approach you. He knows how to approach you. He knows what your secret sins can be sometimes because they're not so secret because this world has been going on and he knows mankind and our sinful natures. So when he approaches, even though you will see that he's talking to Eve, 
It'll say in the, in the verses that'll come later that her husband was right there, but notice that he came to speak and he spoke to the woman first. He got her to question God and his intent first, even though the husband, Adam was right there, but Adam didn't speak up. And then when it came to, when God questioned Adam, where are you? Adam said that he hid, he said, first, I'm afraid and he hid, but the fear of the relationship changing is exactly what Satan wanted Adam and Eve to experience but he also wants it today. So we're going to see what happened in the early stages of the garden of Eden, but then we're going to see what happens today, today, 2023 and future. What is Satan doing to you and I currently? So let's go to Genesis chapter three. Let's start here in verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. He does this all the time. God's a liar. The serpent is the liar, but he tries to convince you and I that God is the liar. God is withholding something from you and I. Eve had the conversation with the demon, with the devil. And when you start to enter into a conversation with the liar who only wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, his objective is to cause you to believe that he's telling the truth and God is telling a lie. You, sh- you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree, her mind shifted, her mind shifted to believe, well, maybe he's got something to what he's saying. Maybe God is withholding from us. Maybe that's the whole reason why we can't eat of that tree. She's already got the understanding, misunderstanding because she added touch it. She's also entered into a conversation with the devil. She's also thinking about what he says is true. And then she starts to look. You know, just like some of you may be looking at that good looking man that is not saved, but he's looking really good and you're feeling really lonely. And that woman is looking really hot, but you know, she doesn't care about God, but she looks so good. And God, did he really mean that I shouldn't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever? Did I know maybe I can turn him. Maybe I can turn her. Eve is saying in verse six, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise because that's what Satan just told her. 
That's got to be the reason why God told him not to eat because Satan, this, this evil one that I'm having a conversation with, he's saying that God surely knows that if I eat this and Adam eats that, we're going to be wise like him. So surely that must be why we can't eat. Because God knows that we're going to be like him and he's trying to not have us be equal. He's trying to hold us back. He's trying to keep something back from us. And I think I have to trust this evil, crafty demon talking to me. So she says, it was made to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit. She made that decision on her. She took it. She took of its fruit and ate, but she didn't just do that. She had to share with her husband and have him disobey just like she was disobeying because she had to share that sin. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. There's a series called Naked and Afraid. That wasn't a new concept. It's a new reality show, maybe in the 20th century, but Naked and Afraid was back in Genesis 3. They became, like Satan, he always gives you a little truth and a lot of lie. He told them your eyes would be open and their eyes were open, but he didn't tell them it was going to cause eternal damnation for your entire humankind. He told them enough to get them to leap into sin, leap into disobedience. And that's what he does whenever he gets any of us. And he wants us to have a little bit of truth and a lot of lie. And we leap into something that becomes a habit, that becomes something that's poisonous to us, that's detrimental to us, that can kill us, that can derail us, that can detour our lives and our destiny and self-sabotage what God has for us because we would rather believe the lie of the devil than God because it's easier. Everybody else is doing it. Must be okay. Then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. A lot of us are sewing a lot of loincloths together because we're covering up a lot of stuff. But guess what? You're covering it up so people won't judge you. You're covering up so people won't know that you got some struggles. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Makeup on, makeup off. Dirty clothes, clean clothes, big jobs, little jobs, big houses, small houses, little cars, big cars, all that stuff that we're trying to show everybody that we're perfect and everything is well with us. None of us are perfect and none of us have a situation where something is not going on in our lives. That's the reality of life. God sees and knows all. You can't go into that corner of your closet and think he doesn't know what's going on. He has the doorknob, he has the key, he has the light switch, everything he's aware of. So when they sew these fig trees and make loincloths on themselves, covering up genitalia and breasts and all that stuff, God knows what it looks like. He's the one that created it. But everything we do and we're hiding, we think that we're getting away with it. Here we go. Verse eight. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the, in the cool of the day. I love the thought that before we sinned, that we could have such an intimate relationship with the Lord that he was walking in the garden 
to come and fellowship with Adam and Eve, that that was a routine of God being with his creation and fellowshipping. And Adam and Eve messed that up. And Christ came so we can get back to that stage. And and when I think of William Helm and the people who have gone on that knew the Lord, I don't get sad because I think about this Lord walking in the cool of the day and reaching out to his creations. And that in heaven, that kind of access to God is there. Now, it says here that, and the man and his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hadn't done that before the sin. They didn't need to hide among the trees because they would go out and walk with God. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid. We always leap to the rest, but I want to slow that down. He had not been afraid of God before the sin. He had no reason to be afraid because God had provided him a beautiful garden apartment, garden house, garden mansion, everything he needed that was pure and lovely and delicious and didn't have to worry about that naked body. It was just wonderful. But then What Satan does is he perverts what's wonderful to make us feel that instead of loving and being loved by God, we got to be afraid of God and we're hiding. It doesn't matter if you're 80 years old or you're eight years old. We think we have to hide from God and it makes me cry because God doesn't want it that way. And not only are we hiding from God, we're hiding from one another. We can't be honest and real with one another because we got to make everybody think we're all right. When we're not all right and everybody's saying, how you doing? I'm fine. How's it going? I'm okay. And you're falling apart. I see it on people's faces and I look in their eyes and I don't look a lot because ever since I was 10 or 11, I asked God to give me his compassion. And when I look into people's eyes, sometimes I see behind the hidden facade and it's hurtful to know that people feel that they can't be truthful with themselves about the pain in their lives. They can't be truthful with their family members. They can't be truthful with their church family members. They can't be truthful with God. We hear these very big words, pray. I don't go around and say, hey, I'm praying. I'm around my house. I'm in my office. I'm in my car. I walk the dog and I'm always knowing God is there. And I'm thinking, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Who do you want me to speak to? Who do you want me to smile at? Who do you want me to just let them know that you're there? And I'm not a churchy person. But Adam's relationship changed that he was afraid. And that's exactly what God is seeing in each and every one of us, even us going to church, that when it comes to when we're falling apart, when things aren't going right, 
when we're in a situation, getting out of a situation, going to a situation, whatever the state of mind is, we don't think of God and coming to him first. We don't think of Jesus because that somehow is churchy. That somehow is, I, I can't go to God because I'm so messed up. I got, I got to figure this out. And Adam and Eve tried to figure it out and they caused us all to go to hell without Christ. And Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now look at what God says to Adam. He asked him a question of who told you. And Adam's response could have been, I made a mistake. I got this from my wife or I, you know, not the blame game, but this is what happened. God, the Satan, the serpent over there did it and we shouldn't have done it. But instead he just started the blame. Who told you that you were naked? This is the question. First, who told you? And then he asked the question, have you eaten? Which could have been, yes, I did it. But his answer wasn't an admission of, I failed to be obedient. And yes, I did this. He blamed. And God always says to us that we can confess our sins before him. And he, he will faithfully actually forgive us. But many of us refuse to even say, I've made a mistake, I've done wrong. And Adam didn't say, yes, I did it. He didn't come back and say, I did it, forgive me, let's move forward. He started the blame game, he started the hiding game. And that's what a lot of Christians still do. We still wanna hide, we still wanna blame, we don't wanna confess. We don't wanna say, I did this. I liked the sex, it was my fault. I liked the stealing, it was my fault. I liked the lying, it was my fault. I didn't wanna to go to church, I didn't wanna give money, I didn't wanna do this. Admit the truth about the sin that's in your life. Admit that you struggle with things in your sin nature. It's part of us. He wants us to confess our sins. He says he's faithful and just to forgive us, but guess what? You can't keep hiding. Children don't hide, seek him, seek his forgiveness, seek his help, seek, seek his direction. So it says here, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, all he needed to say is yes or no. And I was told by the eating of the fruit that I was naked, but I heard it from the devil first, but he says the woman, and then he starts to blame God. The woman you gave, whom you gave to be with me. She gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now we're gonna jump over to, that was then, this is now. That was what happened in the Garden of Eden. And we've heard it through Sunday school lessons all since our childhood. But this is now. I'm going to read from Psalms 27. I'm going to read what is written there, which God wants us to understand. But then I'm going to tell you what Satan is telling each and every one of us every day. So what Satan is saying and what God is reading as truth, the Holy Spirit is revealed in this Psalm 27, God's truth. God's commands, God wants us to understand, but here's what 
Satan is telling us every day the lie that he whispered back in Genesis 3. He's lying again to us in, in every day, 2023 and beyond. But I want you to see when you start to hear these lies, at least promise me, promise me, you'll at least know it's not God, but the devil. Because Psalm 27 is God's promise, but the devil is going to always come back and say, God's a liar. So I'm going to tell you the opposite of these scriptures. So you understand what the lie sounds like. Okay. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse one, here's Satan. The Lord is not going to save you and he's going to keep you totally in the dark and you should fear him. The Lord is not going to protect your life and you should always be afraid of him. Verse two, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Your enemies are going to succeed and do so well. They're going to be able to take you out there. They can do anything they want to you. Verse three, though an army encamps against me, my heart shall not fear for thou war arise against me. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. You are not going to be confident. You're going to be a wimp. You're going to be afraid. You, you have to have every fear that you can think of. You have to worry and be sick because everything around you is going to get you. You have no chance and God is nowhere near. Four, one thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. God is not going to listen to you. You know, the dirt you've done and the evil you've done. God is never going to listen to you. You don't need to seek him because he don't want to hear from you. You don't need to go to the house of the Lord. Stay away because you got to get yourself together. You know, you got to pull yourself together before you go back in that church because God don't want to hear from you. And you know, them church folks don't either. Verse five, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. He will smash your face in a rock because you knew better and you shouldn't have done evil. You know that he is not going to cover you with no tent. He is going to expose you all the dirt, all the lies, all the trouble. The sin is going to be exposed. And what are they going to do? Everybody going to know everything you got going on in your dirty closet. He is not going to hide anything and he's not going to shelter you. You are going to be out on the street. You are done. Don't think God got nothing for you. Verse six. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. I am not going to sing to the Lord. You don't need to sing to the Lord. He don't need to be sung to. He don't care about your praise. Just because you hear that, you know, let every breath that, you know, everything that have breath have praise the Lord. Don't praise the Lord. He don't need to hear that. You don't need to give him any sacrifices of joy. You stay miserable. You stay pitiful. You stay crying. You just, you just keep yourself just so depressed and messed up. And guess what? 
You don't need to be lifting up your head. You need to be crying in your soup. You need to keep your head in the bed. You need to be drinking and drugging and doing everything. So your mind will not be clear because God don't need you to be praising him. Cause you know, he don't care about all those enemies around you. Verse seven, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. God don't listen to you and he is never going to answer you. What are you talking about? You just keep crying. You don't need to be crying to God. He ain't listening to you anyway. You on your own, baby. You know, you got, God is not going to be taking care of you. Verse eight, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek? You don't need to seek God. You don't need to seek God. You need to hide from God. Children hide. Don't seek him. He cannot be found. He doesn't want to be found. Don't seek him. Verse nine, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not. O God of my salvation. God is not going to save you. God is not going to let you see his face because you are not worthy to see anything. You don't need to be praying to him. You know that he going to be angry with you. He done told you not to do it over and over again. And you done done it. And he's going to be mad at you. So you need to not even go talk to him. You don't need to pray to him. You don't need to come to church. You need to stay as far away from God as you can. Cause God don't want nothing to do with you. Verse 10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. I only can depend on mom and daddy. Mama and daddy has been my savior all my life. God can't do nothing for me because my mom and daddy them taking care of me. What you think God can do to mom and daddy can't? If mom and daddy can't do it, God can't do nothing either. Verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. You don't need to be taught nothing from God. What can God tell you? This is the 21st century. You know that Bible is old. There ain't nothing new in that Bible. Everything in that Bible is archaic. You know the Supreme Court made new rules. We got all kinds of things that we know better than God. There's nothing that God can teach you. So you need to get that straight now. If you want to be smart, if you want to be intelligent, if you want to make it through this American way, you need to do what you need to do. You need to follow after what the people say, not what God says. God can't teach you nothing. Verse 13, give me not up to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. Violence is good. You need to have a gun in every room. You need an AK 47. You need to go on and sign up for every kind of class to learn how to kick somebody's butt. Cause that's all you got. You don't have no kind of protection except for the protection that you have for yourself. The only kind of time that we have for protecting ourselves is with a gun or with whatever we got to hit and kill somebody. Cause this time is getting really bad and we can't trust nobody. We can't trust God. We can't trust all these different foreigners coming in the land. This is a time to take care of yourself. It's a kill or be killed kind of environment. Verse 12, give me not up to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me. I'm sorry. I read that again. Verse 13. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
This is the land of all dying. And you don't need to be thinking God is good. If God is so good, why do we have evil things happening to good people? How can God be good? He, he seems like he's the man upstairs, but if he's the man upstairs with all this power, why we got all this stuff happening? People getting shot, people being killed. How can he be a good God? I don't know what they think is good about him because nothing's good about what's happening. Verse 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. You can't wait for God. He's not coming. You don't need to wait because he's not coming. He's not coming. He's not going to do nothing for you. You need to just keep on crying. You need to be sad. You need to just give up. You need to keep on being lonely. You need to be in fear. You need to be afraid because these are the days that you just can't wait on God. You can't trust God. God is not going to help you. You just need to go on and figure this thing out for yourself because you are strong enough to take care of it. And God's not. God has been playing you for a fool. God has been lying to you. Because you can't depend on God, but you can depend on the devil. That's why they got Satan worshipers and they got witchcraft. They got all this stuff because the devil is strong and God is not strong. Now, I know this sounds silly to you. And when you hear it, it's silly to hear me do the opposite. But when you're in the quiet moments of your life, that is exactly what God is telling you that Satan is feeding you these lies. And you can hear the converse of what I'm saying in Psalm 27. But when Satan comes to whisper, just like he came to whisper to Eve and talk to Adam and make them think that God was lying to them. Satan is making a lot of people believe the lie. He doesn't just need to whisper. He has the Internet. He has the the radio. He has the TV set. He has the phones smart that they say they are smartphones. He has the kids on the bus. He has the people in the streets. He has the newspapers. He has every medium in the world telling you that God is a liar. Satan is the liar. And the reason why Adam could say to God, I'm afraid is because Adam believed the lie. And guess what, children? You and I are believing the lie of the devil. And you see more and more people depressed. These young girls are saying are depressed. They don't want to live. And they say young girls, not even full teenagers, are thinking that they don't even want to live. They are feeling that it would be better off for them to die than to live. He is getting our youth. He's getting our older adults. He's getting our aged adults, men, women, boy, girl. He's, if they're not in the state of depression and sadness and selfishness, then they're like, oh, let me get a gun. I just feel like I'm going to kill some people. I've been playing it as a game for all these hours in my basement, in my room. I just think it's a play game to go and shoot up people. Or I'll listen to a bunch of lies about these people aren't good people. So I think they don't deserve to live. They're black. They're brown. They're yellow. They come from another country. They're immigrants. They're aliens. Let's, I don't know. They don't seem like they're worthy enough to even live. I'm not being facetious and funny. I'm saying Satan is lying to us to the point that we would rather hide from God than to seek him. The churches are not the only place that we can go to seek God. We can seek him wherever we are. He is everywhere. 
He just wants us to come and realize that we, we got to confess our sins. When he asked the question, what have you done? You say, God, I've sinned. God, I've messed up. I've done it my way. I've listened to the devil. I need to come to you because I need help. I need to be loved. I want to feel that somebody loves me without the makeup, without the hair, without the assets, without the money, without all this trappings and stuff I'm covering up. I can't take it anymore. I can't take the self-marketing of the lie. I want somebody to love me. And that's why God is saying, I loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. He didn't say cover up. He gave the son knowing all the sin that all of us have and will make against him. But he said, I love you. You don't have to hide. You don't have to cover up. You don't have to sow fig trees and cover up your loins. You don't have to put on this false front that you put on with everybody else. He sees you and he says, I love you. And I want you to come to me because he wanted to have that relationship of walking in the garden together, that fellowship and Satan wanted the opposite. And he's convinced a lot of people under the sound of my voice that they're unlovable, that God doesn't care, but God loves you. And he loved you enough to give you his son, Jesus Christ. And it's not about church. It's about relationship. It's about someone loving you so much that they would sacrifice their life so that you would have a life of salvation with them in eternity. God loves you. And that's not just me saying something for you to say it's Christian gobbledygook. God loves you. And if it was just you, he would have come and given his life. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll believe that. And you'll go before him tonight, today, and tell him who you are and how you need him. And let him come into your heart so that he can show you that you are lovable and that you are greatly loved. The word of God says that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. I pray to the Lord of the harvest that we would have more laborers in the vineyard. I love you and Lord willing, I will see you next week. God bless you.